Okay, we are in the house of James Baker, JB. Hi, everybody. <laughs> JB, what, what are we up to here? I, I mean, we got a show to do, and you, what you're cooking? Make us a pasta, you know. Wait, you're not the Italian of the oh, show. That's right, yeah. Well, yeah, basically just trying to cook dinner for a family of seven. And uh, it's quiet because everyone's either at practice or... You know, in the room in the rooms on their phones or something. But yes, typical Wednesday night, me cooking for seven people and hoping that I don't burn the house down. Well, we're all hoping that uh, there were some brutal moments a little while ago in that respect. Now, I want to turn around here uh, during the show. We can't really do this uh, later on, but uh, we're looking at the living room area. Is is this kind of your man cave? Is this where you watch the games uh, that you yes. talk about? Yes. Uh, well, it can be in here or it can be in the actual man cave, which is over there. I see. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, this is Orlando, Florida. Yes. 2020. Everybody wants to know, will you come to games? I would really like to do that this fall. I'm going to try to make a concerted effort to at least go to one, maybe two games this season. It's it's time. It's time. You know what time it is? It's time for our postseason show on In the Huddle. <laughs> Well, we are no longer in JB's kitchen. Uh, so the episode that was intended to run in basically February, as things were starting to happen naturally in the college football world uh, in Division Three, it was causing a lot of changes in the content that we had shot in his kitchen uh, in, uh, what, January 21st or thereabouts. So we have uh, decided, especially now with the events of the last week, and we'll get to those in a moment. Obviously, you know what they are, uh, but we'll go into what's happening now. Uh, we, we have repostured the show and shot a lot of additional interviews, including one we're going to run in this show. We'll list all that later, exactly who's coming up and when. Uh, some great interviews, so please do watch. And look, he may have nothing else to do for the next two weeks. Who knows at this point where things are going? We're going to look back at this episode someday, JB, and be like, well... Boy, they, what, were, what what was the history like back then? What was our uh, society yeah. like? And, you know, drawing a playbook right now is impossible. Maybe we draw one from moments like these later on. I don't know. But this has been a hellacious week. Uh, you know, for me, I go from Springfield on Friday and Saturday of the prior weekend for the uh, NCAA Division Three men's basketball tournament I get to uh, interview yeah. players from your alma mater, Hobart, reaching the furthest they've reached ever in uh, the tournament, going to the Sweet 16, yep. essentially. And then great coverage, fun, thrilling time. And Monday, we start slamming the brakes on everything as Amherst decided to be the first one up, it seemed like, uh, with Princeton uh, around the same time to say... Spring uh, term, probably not happening, at least not in the instant future. Face-to-face uh, -face classes will be canceled. Stay on your spring break. Uh, stay away. 
And then we're like, well, what does that mean for sports? And they're like, sports buy. And little by little, as the week went on, the dominoes fell. Dominoes. Yeah. Yep. NESCAC, IVs, all basically unified on it. And other schools started following suit. Union was one of the later schools. We'll talk to President David Harris of Union College later in this show to discuss how that decision was reached and why it took the timing it did and what happens from here. But JB, you're uh, one of the most practical and realistic guys I know, uh, truly, because I I think with all the family you have, uh, yeah, believe it or not, and everything, kind of gives folks your insight about how you approached this last week with the coronavirus scenario uh, falling out the way it did. How's your mood, how's your emotion about life right now? with sports kind of gone for the time being yeah well i think like a lot of people initially i was kind of in a state of denial that this thing was as bad as it it seems like it it could or potentially be um you know i i had a hard time believing that the uh you know tournament was going to go away and as as you saw the dominoes fall of these different sporting events cancel the nba you know postpones and all this stuff sort of just hit. It was it was kind of a surreal moment. But if you really you know look into um, what's going on over in Italy, for instance, I mean it it's this is not a, a joke. And you know yeah, like like you said, I mean I've got a big family, five kids um, between uh, you know my wife Jen and I, sort of our Brady bunch situation we have. And, and at the end of the day, we as parents want. The kids to be safe obviously you want everybody to be safe uh, to, to the extent possible and so you have to take this as seriously um, as we're being told to and it'll just life is going to be disrupted um, fortunately there are mediums such as this that allow for uh, communication um, and so school will continue um, in, in some form or fashion and and uh, faculty and everyone else is going to have to adjust and kind of learn on the fly here it's it's uh, hopefully this isn't the new normal, but at least if this is going to be, um, you know, the best way to keep people safe, then we, we have to leverage, uh, you know, the technology that we have in order to do that. Indeed, I, I mean, we walk away from this in some very odd positioning for some schools in the first place. Uh, I am. We had done a large piece on this back uh, in your kitchen uh, in January, but think of a school like Wesley that is basically being forced to merge with another school. And there are rumors as to who the school is. I do not want to go down that road because it's a single tweet that has named that school. We do not have any, let's say, double sourcing on something as important as that. So we're not going to mention the school. It would not be appropriate. Yeah. But there is a, there is definitely the state has given money to Wesley, and you know they're forcing them to find a merger partner as part of the deal for the money. Now Wesley, they they try to avoid, the, you know, the sending home of uh, students for, uh, in the interim for the spring term and all that stuff as much as anybody. In fact, they were I think the last announcement I got to see come out on I think Friday, and. Yeah. The reason probably is they know that if they do that and are forced to give back room and board fees at all, that could be a real problem financially for them and for any merger that they're involved with. We don't know the exact consequences of doing it yet. And President Harris kind of discusses some of the problem with giving a definitive answer on that. But let's face it, 
this doesn't help a school like Wesley and other schools that have some financial issues coming into this. And so do we lose programs as a result of something like this? That would be a travesty to see. And hopefully yeah. the federal government and the state government sort of rally here to protect these schools. And at least if they're going to fail, let them fail on their own, not because of something like this. And the students yeah. that go there, don't, they deserve better uh, than that kind of end also. I mean, what are your thoughts? Is Wesley going to be Wesley this year or for the, uh, let's say, next few seasons? That's a good question. I mean, we, we did see the president you know, announce the, you know, whatever, $1.5 trillion uh, sort of stimulus um, to keep small businesses open. And to a certain extent, a lot of, uh, especially private colleges, tend to be <laughs> small businesses in certain respects. So whether or not they can tap into that um, remains to be seen. I mean, uh, President Harris refers to it, uh, which you'll hear in a few minutes, like a lot of colleges, um, including you know, Union and you know, my alma mater, uh, Hobart, are, are having a tough time as it is. I mean, there are... Um, a lot of costs associated to running uh, college campuses. Tuition has never been higher. Um, it, you know, so a lot of these schools out there have been in financial trouble um, to a certain extent in some form or fashion for a while um, because their college age uh, you know, group is, is growing smaller. It's getting more competitive to recruit kids. And um, the costs have not gone down for a long time. So. Uh, losing the, the possibility of a whole spring semester worth of, of uh, revenue, even though they're nonprofit organizations, is a big deal, especially for, uh, you know, places like Union aren't going to close. They've got plenty of money in their endowment and that kind of thing. But for smaller colleges that, are, that don't have as much, um, you know, financial wherewithal, this could be a big, big issue if this runs out for a long period of time. And we're hoping it doesn't. We're hoping it is only a few week thing, and then everybody yeah, will be laugh it off yeah. and be like, "Oh, we were, we all sort of <laughs> overdid it." But I don't know if it will be that. And honestly, if I had a, yeah, if I, if I had to bet money right now, based on what the reactions are, I I don't think we're letting this thing run its course in its quickest way. And we'll talk more about this later by closing the colleges. Personally, I, I don't think it was the right move for how we get out of this situation. Others will disagree with that. But ultimately, it's going to take a while because you're seeing it in other countries. There's kind of a pendulum going on where they think they're in the clear, then they get another hot spot somewhere, and then you're back on the other side of it again, and it keeps rocking back and yeah. forth. But like a pendulum, it's going to go like this and then start to s slow down the swings and the wildness of the swings. Yeah. But the question is, is that a three-month thing? Is it a three-week thing? Is it a nine-month thing? We don't know. Yeah, we and don't know. That's going to be the question, yeah. ultimately. There are implications to athletes across the board on what has happened. As the NCAA had announced on Thursday that all spring and winter championships, and let's note again, spring and winter championships would be canceled at that point that had not taken part or taken place at that point. Uh, the Division Three basketball tournaments, men's and women's, were at the Sweet 16 round, as we suggested earlier, and they are done. Uh, there was some talk of possibly making the Division One tournaments a 16-team tournament in each case to sort of make it a kind of quicker scenario, take out a weekend and get it done with, and that was Ooh. not ultimately done because most likely the NBA cases with the Utah Jazz 
cause the NCAA to basically have to pull the plug before they could actually consider it in earnest this week. Yep. They tried to buy as much time as they could. They could not. They made the decisions to cancel those championships. And as a result, the uh, one committee has put forth legislation that should be approved. There will be a blanket waiver for all spring sports athletes in the NCAA's uh, purview at the end of the day to give them their eligibility year back, even if they play 10 baseball games or whatever else it may be, ultimately. They they will yeah. get it back. Now, here's some key wording, though. Doesn't matter if they go back to school and start their seasons up in some format. Let's say we get enough schools that they can get a makeshift out-of-conference schedule together because the conferences really aren't sponsoring anything right now either. So right. it's all non-conference stuff, but... Look, they go back to school, they want to play some baseball, softball, lacrosse, whatever. They're going to have the opportunity to do it, and the NCAA probably won't say anything. But if they do, they still get the waiver. So the only thing ultimately the NCAA has stated here is that because we took away the championships and a little bit of the season guaranteed right now, you're going to get your waiver no matter what. And there are a bunch of winter sports athletes out there saying, wait a minute, if it's a question, <laughs> yeah. If it's a question of the championships being removed, and you know a couple other small factors besides that, like at least a couple of weeks of competition, well, I still had a chance to win a championship in Division Three or in Division One. I. I still had my conference tournament going on. There are still probably 120 men's teams still that would have either been in the main tournament, or the NIT, or the CBI. And then additional mm-hmm. ones that were not out of their conference tournaments yet that may not have made the tournament at all. You may have had actually 150 teams that were still alive and all those players. Women's basketball, wrestling, individual sports like wrestling, swimming and diving, uh, indoor track and field. Okay, They play these sports to ultimately conclude, hopefully, in the championship if they're of a certain quality, and that was taken away. There are arguments being mm-hmm. made, though, that they played their season. And so they shouldn't get their year of eligibility back. If you were the king of the NCAA world, what would you decide with respect to the winter sports athletes and their eligibility? Well, the... A nice thing to do would be to, to grant that, but at the same time, like with you look at um, you know Division Three uh, men's basketball tournament, for instance. I mean, there's 430 some odd uh, teams out there. Only 16 programs were remaining. So, does it make sense to give a year of eligibility back for those 400 something you know teams that were already you know, had their seasons and were eliminated from the tournament? I don't know. I can see you making pros and cons cases for, for both sides. Uh, ultimately, I have a feeling that the NCAA will just stick with the spring sports. And, um, you know, unfortunately, the, the winter uh, the winter championships are just going to just have to be sort of undecided. And uh, I just think there's too many, too many things to unravel with the winter sports. Um, and for the most part, all the regular seasons had been finished by then. There just won't be a, a championship round. The spring sports still have a lot of questions to have answered as well because anybody that's going to take up the NCAA on the additional eligibility is going to cause some kind of havoc in scholarship schools in Division One and Division Two, because ultimately yeah, there right. are only so many scholarships. So how many scholarships will they be allowed to have now if they do allow for extra eligibility for 
these players that weren't really in the system or anticipated to be in the system next year? Do they change those numbers? For Division Three? you know, roster sizes and whatnot, do those get affected in cases where there may have been a maximum and do we expand those? There's a lot of questions to be answered. The NCAA has stated as much, but what one thing's for sure, they're trying to work through it because they understand there is a bit of a Pandora's box mentality here that they've opened up by starting saying, yeah, yeah we'll give the spring waiver. Uh, well, where do we go from there and where do we stop it essentially the winter sports argument. So this doesn't affect football, but it's a conversation that's instructive, I think, in general about things that are changing here and what we have to consider when something like this happens. But then football. This is the time of year when spring practices are supposed to go on and a spring game possibly as well. Inter-squad scrimmage type. Yep, recruiting as well. I mean... We're going to have coaches on later in the week that are going to talk about what you lose in this situation uh, that have watched this for years and how how you coach around it, essentially. But, I mean, JB, you were a football player. You went through spring before, and you've seen your teammates go through spring. You've seen Hobart as an alum now go through spring and everything else. Is this a big deal? Is this going to be a big problem for these programs, do you think? It's definitely a big deal. Um, the problem will just be something that everybody shares, though. I mean, we've had uh, multiple coaches on in the past, and, and all of them have, have talked about how just the, the structure of the NCAA um, these days, the, the amount of practice that these student-athletes get has been uh, lowered for a number of, of health and other reasons. So, you know, every single practice time is very valuable um, to these coaching staffs, particularly ones that as we'll you know kind of get to later on uh in other episodes especially new coaches that are coming in to um you know run their programs for the first time um so yeah those the practice time is valuable i'm curious whether or not the ncaa may grant like a longer preseason um uh, possibly in august or perhaps there could be you know if, if things re- return to normal by like may and kids can get back to campus you know, maybe they allow some some practices there. We understand uh, recruiting has been put on hold kind of across the board by the NCAA until April 15th. Um, I don't know how that can be really monitored. I'm sure if, you know, you get a, hey, coach, you know, look at my film, and hey, you know, there's, there's probably going to still be phone conversations or texts or what have you going on. I mean, not saying anything's going, you know, it's illegal or under the table, but it's the reality, um, you know, a lot of college a- application uh, admissions uh Letters are going out usually around, what, March 15th, uh, April 1st. So, you know, kids won't be able to go see campuses probably um, uh, unless they've been up already. It's going to create some issues. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see uh, as this you know, virus situation progresses, if, if schools reopen or if they just stay closed until the end of the semester, definitely impacts uh, the preparation. Then we might see some sloppy uh, first couple of weeks of the season uh, once we get down to September. Indeed. And on top of that, the NFL draft, uh, which is scheduled right now for April 23rd to 25th of 2020, uh, becomes a little bit of a question mark, too. Do they uh, basically take the cue of us fantasy football players all these years and do an online draft uh, as teams and not go to a central location? I mean, the draft can still occur. Yeah. I, hold on. I got, I'm on. <laughs> got it. I'm trading. Uh, hold on. I need a quarterback. <laughs> 
Uh, no, but I mean, yeah, seriously. We should... for... <laughs> oh, well, yeah. that's an easy trade to make right there uh, with nobody, a player to be named later. Uh, but, you know, we for 20 years, we've tested the software and everything else that they'll need to do it. Mm-hmm. Ironically, they may stoop to our level of fantasy draft uh, type of status with the real draft, if they have to, yeah, but it's affecting. What, what did we see at Nashville last year? It's like six hundred thousand people were on Broadway in Nashville. I mean, that there's no way that the the government's going to allow something like that, especially in a place like Las Vegas. So, uh, no uh, no boat rides on the on the Bellagio to the podium to get your jersey. I have a feeling that yeah, like you said, this is going to be probably an online kind of situation. But it's affecting the actual draft and recruiting scouting going on at this point pro because pro days yeah. are going by the wayside. Nick DeCarano from Endicott, uh, the kicker who uh, has just really impressed a lot of people throughout the season and then after the season was done. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have him on the show. I believe uh, we're going to drop his episode on Tuesday, uh, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. Uh, the the Italian-sounding last name is going to be on the Irish Day. There, That's how it worked. That Maybe, maybe we'll put Fitzpatrick actually there. <laughs> Actually, so maybe, yeah, maybe right. we'll put the Corano on Thursday. Now that I'm looking at this, and but we'll have him next week at some point, uh, and uh, we will make that change out of respect, I guess. Uh, but look, he's losing his pro day. Uh, all joking aside, he was supposed to be a Holy Cross uh, in a yeah. couple weeks. Gone. Uh, he was supposed to go uh, to a kicking coach in Alabama. That opportunity gone. I, and look, he, he's a great kicker as it is, and he's very consistent and strong. That was just to hone his skill. It's gone. Okay, that opportunity. We'll have an uh, interview from a couple months ago with David Tamero that will run uh, in about a week and a half on uh, like Tuesday, give or take uh, the 24th of March. Uh, talk about the small school showcase that he uh, participated in. Um, you know, he had a lot of things he was going to be doing around this time from what I remember that interview. That may be gone. We'd reach out to him to see, and uh, if we get any updates, we'll include those uh, before we run that interview. But this is changing even that scenario around because this last month before the draft is when they were sort of still, you know, working on some players that maybe they'll want to sign as undrafted uh, free agents later on or the late round draft picks that they weren't so sure about. This is going to really affect that, and I wonder how it does affect guys like, you know, uh, the St. John's player, Ben um, Barch, is it? Barch. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he's he's been really impressing people out there, and he went to the combine and everything, and then, you know, the stuff that he would normally do right now, does he start to fade because he doesn't have that exposure level that they can just go to the film and watch everything really easily because there's so much film in the division one realm does that affect them i think guys like barch are going to be the exception because he did get invited to the combine and got to play in the senior bowl and and go up against division one talent um it's really the fcs and d2 and three guys that are really at the biggest disadvantage because they're, they're they haven't had the same um, exposure and opportunity. So I think most GMs and scouts will be a little um, more reticent to, to to look at them. So realistically, Arch probably gets drafted um, in April, but for the rest of uh, Division Three and, and smaller school uh, you know, players, 
will not have that same opportunity and will likely have to count on their agents or or whomever to get them on either uh, you know uh, training uh, training camp rosters as as a UDFA and and hope they can you know make an impression uh, once they get to camp. Indeed. Uh, this is, again, no playbook for this. Uh, so uncharted territory, we're going to be going down. Uh, again, I wish I could say I thought it was going to be a couple weeks situation. I don't think it is. And so it's going to affect a lot of things down the line. Uh, I'll be interested to see when the NBA has to reconsider in 30 or now less than 30 days, whether or not they're going to put something together to uh, go forward then or maybe 15 days later or whatever. We don't know where it's going, folks. And all we can do is sort of give you some guide here as to how it affects the sport that we are most affiliated with, which is Division Three college football, uh, and then also give you some other information like we are right now. President David Harris of Union College joined us, uh, the 19th president of Union, uh, who has had some uh, great exposure to the football team, uh, especially the last year. He got to see that 10-0 Union College Fighting Dutchman uh, team put up some great fights in, against a Salisbury team that they didn't, a lot of people rather didn't think they'd have a chance against. Uh, they you know lose 62-41 in that complete slugfest uh, down in Salisbury, that Maryland. Crazy, yeah. <laughs> but I, I got to meet him uh, briefly at the Hobart game, and we'll uh, tell you more about that during this interview. But look, there are a lot of open questions about what happens at the school level right now with these situations of closing and no face-to-face -face classes yeah. and go home, stay home, and how it's going to work. And again, Union was one of the last ones. Here is our interview with President David Harris of Union College. President Harris, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, great meeting you uh, when Union beat um, Hobart uh, back a few months ago. Sorry, JB. Uh, you know, uh, there's always next season, and we'll talk about that in, in a minute. Yep. But obviously, uh, this has been a hell of a week for everybody, yep. uh, and not in a good way uh, for a lot of people. Union College was one of the last schools to announce closure, not one of the last necessarily, but deeper in the list than many. And a lot of people were questioning why that was happening. Some were happy with the decisions, some weren't. Can you kind of walk us through, let's say the last three or four days where the decision was kind of a hedge and then the decision was, yeah, we're closing here, at least for, uh, postponing face-to-face -face classes for now. Well, yeah, thanks Frank and JB, thanks for having me on. And JB, don't feel bad because Everybody lost to us this year, so it's okay. Except <laughs> so, uh, I'd say really, you know, it's about the week, but, um, you know, for, for me, and I won't go through all of it, but it's been sort of a surreal two and a half weeks because on February 21st, we announced the largest gift in Union College's history, a $51 million gift supporting in particular our engineering and computer science, but also the integration of that with liberal arts. And it was the following Monday when I walked in and said to my staff, it's not if, it's when this hits us. And uh, then we got going and all of a sudden, I was in California last Friday, met with the Stanford president. Later that day, Stanford said they were going on two weeks online. University of Washington was earlier in the day. I came in here, uh, got back, meet with my team Monday. And then Monday was just dominoes. They started going Monday, they started going Tuesday. And we were actively working on trying to figure out what we were gonna do. Part of the reason, I think the biggest reason you saw us being slower to announce is that we didn't have to announce as fast as some others because we have trimesters. 
So the semester schools were on spring break or about to go to spring break, and they had to tell their students, hey, don't come back or take your stuff with you. And for us, that was delayed a week or two because our students end classes this week and next week is finals, then spring break. And so my position was, this is a really tough call. No reason to make it before you have to. So we were ready to make it Thursday and then, you know, life intervened with the positive case on campus. President Harris, yeah, one of the things I've admired about you since you've taken uh, office, I guess you can say, is that you know you, you seem real savvy with with technology. And I guess one of the positives coming out of this current situation is the fact that we have this technology. Like we're video conferencing with you now. Um, you know, your faculty will likely have to leverage technology like this to uh, continue delivering some instruction. I mean, what's it like in in 2020 now? I mean, kind of juggling the you know, wanting to stick to the uh, traditional sort of liberal arts uh, brick and mortar you know, message in class instruction versus the reality of, hey, you know, we might be on break for a couple weeks, maybe a month or so, and 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 having you know this sort of platform in place to to keep your students uh, on track with their studies and so on. Yeah, thanks, Ruby. It's um, one of the things my staff I would say they probably get tired of me saying is I'm always talking about the year. So when we're trying to figure something out, I'll say, but it's 2019. Now I'm saying, it's 2020. So for example, <laughs> if get a speaker to campus and they can't make it, I'll say, it's 2020. They could come by video. So the capacity's there. The challenge is um, the ability of individuals to take advantage of the technology. And some people are just more comfortable. Some people are more experienced than others. And that's what's really going to show in the next weeks, months, is it's just going to be a big challenge to roll out online education for hundreds of thousands. It's probably going to be millions of people at this point with two yeah. or three week notes with faculty, most of whom have never done this and have never, most of them probably haven't even done a Zoom video conference, much less lead a course on Zoom. Yeah. And then compound that by not just think about your history class, but now think about thermodynamics. And now think about dance and sculpture. And I mean, it's going to be an experiment on a massive scale. And to your yeah. part of your point, I also think it's going to be a great advertisement for face-to-face -face education. Because what's going to be clear is, I mean, you both went to liberal arts colleges. You understand that you learn a lot in the classroom. But even in the classroom, there's a lot of benefit to sitting around and engaging. But you also learned a lot outside the classroom, interacting with your yeah. peers and and staff and you, know, you can email the faculty but it's just going to be different than jb i've been to uh, hobart smith campus but not enough to say this but frank you know, it's different from you know you're walking on campus past the nod on the way to reamer who do you bump into what conversation happens it's just not going to be the same and so i really hope this can be yeah. as short as possible i deeply believe in what you both experienced in our students are school I, I have always said that college is more of a social education uh, than it is an academic education for many people. And so you do lose that aspect of it, at least for the weeks that we are out of session. So you're absolutely right. I think we do get uh, some value, uh, you know, and not take it for granted as much when we have the face-to-face uh, -face situation. Two questions for you. Uh, one, a little brief up front here. Uh, the staff member uh, that was reported as uh, testing positive, how are they doing to the degree you can tell us? Yeah, staff member's doing well. I've been in contact with the staff member since the day the staff member tested positive, um, checked in periodically, and really happy to say staff member's stable and at home. 
Uh, you know, this is something where a lot of people in the population test positive and it really has minor impact on them, but you know, there are some people for whom this is life and death. So I'm happy to say that a staff member is stable and at home. And uh, we'll keep them uh, in our prayers that they do uh, continue to stay stable and uh, mend completely from this. Uh, the one thing that's going to be tough for some schools to mend from is the financial impact. A lot of students have been asking the question aloud to schools, hey, what about the room and board portion that uh, won't be utilized uh, during this period? And we don't know how long it'll be. And maybe the entire term may not be ultimately. Or how about the uh, student activities fees, uh, for instance, uh, which uh, won't be utilized uh, during that time. Has Union uh, made a commitment in that realm? I know it's only a couple days since the initial announcement. And uh, if not, you know, what are you seeing out there uh, from your colleagues uh, out there in the uh, presidential world of uh, schools, universities? Uh, what do you think is going to happen and how does it affect these schools' bottom lines? Well, I'd say it's funny. I think I have a, uh, I don't know how unique it is among presidents, but I bet there aren't a lot of us in the situation is uh, I have a daughter who's a junior at another school who is actually studying abroad in Northern Italy this semester. And so I actually am experiencing this as both a dad and a president, which has been really helpful because I can identify with those parents who are saying, wait a minute, my student's not there. Why am I not getting a refund? I'm paying for a room, but they're sleeping in my house. Uh, so I get that. Um, I also understand school perspectives are saying in some cases, well, we're still delivering you education in a different form. You're still going to get a degree. You're not going to get a 90% degree. Um, the room and board, I think, is something that we all see. Um, it depends how long it goes. Uh, if these go long term, the longer it goes, the more expectation it will be legitimately for some sort of rebate. Uh, on folks, some sort of refund, uh, but it's a big challenge, and it's a challenge for schools because um, you know most schools. There's a surprising number of schools just in New York State, private college universities, that have been in the red for three, four, five of the last five years, and so um, this is a big revenue hit at a time when schools are already struggling. I understand the challenge, of course, is people are also struggling, and so um, yeah. it's just going to be big, and we're probably heading to a recession here, hopefully not too long. So. Schools are struggling with how to do the right thing and also do what they can afford. That's what I hear my colleagues say. Yeah, and um, the other big question that we've seen kind of either tweeted at us or, or sort of bandied about in social media is the, is the question, and, and the NCAA finally made an announcement um, that it sounds like spring sports are going to be uh, allowing you know, those athletes another year of eligibility, although realistically, um, how many of them can actually take advantage of that is sort of a question mark. I mean, from a, um, you know, you're saying, you know, the, it's a tough time for, for colleges, uh, revenue and otherwise, I mean, you know, can a, is a, is a kid going to be able to do online school and then come back and, you know, have to pay another round of tuition and that kind of thing, I guess, I, I know there's still a lot up in the air, but what was your initial reaction, um, uh, President Harris, when you saw the whole, uh, you know, the eligibility question sort of put out there. Maybe you've had, you know, current current students ask you about it. Um, what, are you, what are your sort of thoughts on kind of where we're at right now and where we might go since it seems like the winter sports may not be completely off the table yet? Yeah, so I, um, I haven't had that many conversations about this since Thursday morning. I was having conversations in particular before, as folks were saying, um, you know, if you 
put us on two weeks delay. What's that mean for lacrosse, baseball, softball, other spring sports? Um, and my heart goes out to those young people. You know, just in a tiny way, I appreciate it. I'm nowhere near the magnitude what they've been doing. But you know, students who are saying, "Hey, I'm a senior. This is my chance. I was going to be the captain. I was going to get a leading role finally." In 2012, I had started as the provost at Tufts University and was recruited. I'd been a fairly serious cyclist up to that point. Uh, recruited in to run the Boston Marathon with the Tufts team in 2013. I was a little bit sick wow. that day. I should have finished right when the bomb went off. Instead, I was a little behind, and I was between miles 24 and 25 when the bomb went off and got stopped. Holy and so just in that small way, I appreciate these students saying, you know, in that case, it was only, you know, some December to April I was training every day, but I get it. You train really hard. This was the day, and then all of a sudden, it's taken from you. Um, what I just thought about in that context, and I hope uh, these athletes, I know they get it as well, is, you know what? I really wanted to finish that day, but this was more important than me finishing that run. Um, this was about people's lives and you know, we just stop that run and get to safety. This is a similar situation. The athletes themselves mostly aren't at risk, probably, probably, but certainly the broader society is. Um, but it's a challenge. I don't know how you restore someone's year of eligibility um, and say, go do something else, then come back. And you're, you have to be a student to play. They're student athletes. Um, so yeah. I don't know how that's work. Um, but I certainly appreciate uh, what the students are, are concerned about. And the NCAA has a lot of questions to answer. They admit themselves uh, they put out the blanket waiver for spring students uh, on Friday, and uh, there's not much info to follow, or as JB points out, the winter question, which is technically a valid one. We'll uh, be talking about that in the show as well uh, later on. President Harris, uh, we also have to look forward a little bit here, and uh, we're kind of looking at this as a hiatus uh, for a couple weeks or a few weeks uh, for Union College and for a lot of schools out there, but ultimately the question becomes this. What does it take, and I love the Union Tumblr you got there, <laughs> what does it take <laughs> to, I gotta get one of those, why don't I have one of those, JB? <laughs> there it is. There you go. Uh, so, so uh, what will it take to get students back on campus? What, what line kind of, uh, you know, to the degree that we can identify one here, do you feel needs to be crossed for students to be brought back on campus before, in Union's case, June, because we uh, used to go out that far, and I think we still do uh, at Union College, or May in other schools' cases, which may be a tougher uh, call to have happen. But what will it take, do you think? I think this is really hard. Um, so first thing is that I've been clear, I uh, tried to be clear that it's not two weeks and we'll see you for sure. Um, so it's, it's like a flight delay. I mean, I sort of say it's sort of like we're the airlines, we're the airport, we're saying there's a storm. We don't think it's safe to fly in that storm. Uh, we don't have very good technology to help us know when the storm will pass. We think in an hour it's probably better, but we'll get back to you in 45 minutes and let you know if the storm's cleared. If not, we might have to say it's another hour and then another hour and at some point we may uh, cancel. Um, what we're doing right now is sort of, if you carry this out, it's analogous to send you through a different airport, right? We're saying instead of the face-to-face, -face, we're gonna send you to the airport called online learning for a little while. And hopefully we can get you back mm -hmm. on track. Um, but it's it's just really tricky. And what I've said to folks also in being a, a sports 
podcast, you certainly get it is, you know, all right, so I'm not going to ask whether you're betting people, but if we went to put money down two weeks ago on whether March Madness would be canceled, right? Who thought that was coming? So yeah. I'm sure you guys did. I didn't. I would have said, no way. And if that's true, and then I said to students and parents yesterday as I was talking as they were moving out, just walking on campus, if that's true, then how can I possibly predict two weeks from now? And so that's why it really is. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see, sadly. But it's hard, it's hard to know. It's hard. We have criteria um, for, you know, if there's a case on campus, if there's sonoring cases near us and what that tells us to do. The challenge is we're also dealing with the anticipatory. So there's no case on campus because there's no students on campus or few. What do we think the probability is that if we come back to campus, we wind up with cases and which will lead us to send yeah. people right back. So that's what we're struggling with. JB, I'm going to take this one only because uh, I, I think I can't make you ask the question about Union football season last year and uh, what could happen next year. That would be unfair of me to do that. Uh, President Harris, uh, obviously a great season for the Dutchman last year. Uh, knocked out in a 62-41 uh, slugfest at Salisbury uh, in the second round of the playoffs. Uh, a lot of returning players. I think Griffin Beal may be one of the only uh, players on offense not returning uh, for the Dutchman. Uh, but I mean, football right now seems to have even a greater value right now because it may be the first sport or the first major sport, quote unquote, you know, the baseball, football, hockey, basketball, the, the high profile sports that are out there. And I'm not trying to belittle soccer or swimming and diving and all those things. So folks, you know, don't send your cards and letters yet. But you know, it's it's a major high-profile sport out there in this country, and Union's college football team may help bring back some normalcy if we don't see students return until August, September, depending on the school. What do you uh, think of this football program, this team, and what do you think about what's going to happen in the 2020 season just from a normalcy standpoint, hopefully? Yeah, well, I've been really impressed with our football program. Um, impressed with our coach, uh, been impressed with the young men, you know, been recruited and them as students, as citizens, as young men. Um, as I say to folks, I think I said last year at the banquet, you know, the guys who were seniors last year, it's just amazing to think that they lost every game their first year and they hung in there and they ended up winning seven, I think it was their final year. And these guys similarly came to a program that was on the ropes and then had this amazing 11-1 run. And throughout what I've said is to these guys is to realize that they may think that Coach Berman is a fantastic football coach, but what they don't realize is his job is actually to be a developer of young men. He just happens to do it primarily on the football field. And so it's in that context that I say, it's a great opportunity for all of our athletes and all of our programs, uh, but especially football because it's so big to uh, the culture of that group of 100 or so, getting them moving in the right direction in the fall with the right spirit can have a huge impact, not only what they do in the classroom, but uh, sorry, not only what they do on the field, but just what they do around campus, the vibe that gets set. And I know that they will be there. One of the things I love is when students move in, the football players are there, because they've already been here for a couple weeks. They're there with their T-shirts on, you know, union football, moving people in. As soon as the car shows up, boom, they rush the car and carry the stuff. And that'll be a great sight to see uh, come August. 
Well, I know one date that I'm particularly sorry. (laughs) So that also playing against Hobart well, hopefully, will be another great site. Yeah, well, I know I know I'm looking forward to. I think it's October third. It's the day before my son's 14th birthday. Um, It's always a a big deal when uh, Frank and my alma mater square off and. Um, it'll be in uh, it'll be in Geneva this year. We won't get to see the fraternity house on the video shot, uh, but it should be a, once again another great game between two great programs. So, um, President Harris, we'd like to in, indoctrinate you into an old in the huddle tradition. We we offer all the uh, coaches and student athletes, uh, and occasionally NCAA committee chairs and other other folks who we've had on over the years, the opportunity to do shout outs. It's 2020, so we got to do shout outs to any friends, family, or uh, colleagues out there that uh, might be watching the program that you'd like to uh, say hello to. So, floor is yours. Thank you again for joining us, and, and good luck with everything up there in Schenectady. I guess the first shout out really is just to uh, this leadership of this school. One of the things that gets lost is that. We have had to, and I'm going to myself, but my team, you know, we've had to deal with things. There's no playbook. You know, Nobody knew. I say it's akin to thinking you're going to only uh, – it's the first time maybe there was a forward pass in a game and the other team's thinking, what's this all about? What do I do? And we've been trying to figure out, you know, something no one's seen. And what gets lost is that we all have families. We have concerns about our own health. And I just shout huge shout-out to everyone on campus, not only senior leadership, people in dining, people in campus safety, people in student affairs, and so many more who I've seen on campus yesterday and throughout the week who are there doing their jobs, making sure that the students, families, the rest of the staff have what they need so that they can take care of themselves and doing it in a selfless way. So it's a huge shout out to just everybody here and around the country and world who's uh, doing what they need to do so that others can uh, be safe and get done what they need done. Amen, President Harris. Uh, amen to that. Hopefully, I'll be able to grab uh, coffee with you or something in the near future because uh, I do owe you. Uh, you know, getting to know each other better. Uh, you've been doing a tremendous job at Union, and we do appreciate you and your time uh, right now. It's been a tough week, and uh, the optimism and uh, even the preaching of normalcy to a certain degree is very valuable in times like these. Thanks again. Thanks, Frank and JB. And I hope this is. I said, I hope it's the end of the beginning. I hope. For all of us. Yeah, so I hope so too. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Again, thanks to President Harris for joining us. Uh, very informative uh, and an optimist. You can tell that he is hoping for the best here, and he's going to do everything he can to make sure that the student body at Union College comes out of this without problems. Uh, you know, look, Union's got a really good technology backbone there at the school, and if professors want to come into the uh, classrooms to still teach from afar uh, using the distance learning mechanisms, they're going to be able to do that at a school like Union because they have the technology and equipment to do it. Not all schools are that fortunate and this is going to be a learning process for a lot of them. Uh, But, you know, I, I think we all are beginning to see this idea, JB, that the next real glimmer of hope for people who are sports fans, maybe Major League Baseball comes back, but for the pure feeling of an opening day that hopefully will go off as planned for a lot of schools. It's going to be college football, be it Division 1, 2, or 3 down the line in yeah. August and September. I mean, take it from there. What are you looking forward to as we begin to transition? 
Well, I think the first will be, uh, you know, we'll we'll kind of see what direction the NCAA goes with the waiver, as you mentioned, and, and how that um, you know may impact things, either opening back up um, the tail end of the spring semester, or if we're just going to see a complete shutdown and and um, really August being you know when when schools get back up and running. Hopefully, this uh, situation is well over by then. But uh, my big question will be. Preseason camps, is it the same? Um, does the NCAA grant a few more practice days um, to uh, Division three or other football programs to help them uh, catch up and be better prepared for uh, week one? may just be, though, it's, you know, you get what you get and that's it. And so we'll see teams kind of evolve uh, over the course of a season. And we might see some teams in week one that don't look so great, but they're actually playing for championships down the road. Um, just having that time to develop. Um, other teams might start off and look great and maybe fade down the stretch. We don't know. Um, it's Last season was a lot of fun because we saw a lot of uh, new uh, you know, faces when it came to uh, championship runs and playoff races. There were some of the usual suspects like the Del Valles of the world and so on, but um, it was an interesting season kind of nationally. We've got a, a, you know, a non-purple national champion for the first time in a while, so that was pretty neat as well. And Brock Rutter, uh, speaking of pro days, was able to get his in um, before uh, it, uh, everything kind of canceled out. So I know he he did well and is being looked at by some teams like the Chicago Bears um, in kind of his backyard. But uh, you know, for the unfortunately for the near term, it looks like um, you know, D three guys are going to have to do what they've basically had to do for a long time and just get into a camp and uh, and prove prove their they can uh, they can hang. So, folks, uh, we are going to uh, conclude in a second here uh, after some final thoughts, uh, but we do want to uh, give you some uh, recap as to where we're going from here. Uh, recap, I guess, preview is the right word for that. Uh, obviously, uh, again, the President Harris interview, uh, very good, and we, again, appreciate him. Uh, on the 17th, we have made that executive decision uh, that I, I kind of talked out loud about, that Coach uh, Fitzpatrick of Cortland, uh, Kurt Fitzpatrick, will be joining us uh, to talk about the coaching uh, point of view of this uh, for somebody who was a head coach at Morrisville, he probably is a very good person to get some education about what this all means from. So again, that'll be Tuesday, uh, St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. Nick DiCarano uh, will join us on the 19th of March, that's Thursday, uh, to talk about his journey. And it's a long interview, but I, I, the story I do not know about some of the stuff that happened to him in high school and holy cow, you're like, how is this guy even kicking footballs 20 yeah. yards, let alone 50 yards uh, or plus? 50 plus uh, yeah, I mean, it's incredible. And just something you're going to kind of fall in love with in terms of just the guy he is uh, when you hear his story and, uh, you know, the journey he's taken. So make sure to tune in for that on Thursday, March 19th. On Saturday, March 21st, Jimmy Robertson, we're coming full circle. Uh, he is uh, the, was actually the first guest on In the Huddle in 2008 when Eric Ren and I started the show in October 2008. Yep. Jimmy Robertson joined us. It was September 24th. Caller. It was it that late? September that, 24th, right. 2008. I think so. Yeah, was, okay. Uh, I stand yeah, corrected. Week three or two or or four or somewhere around there. It was right before a big game uh, against against Hobart, I think, actually, which is Conference why I think season. I called in to bug you guys. 
Of course, yeah, it so, was. It, it, uh, we it was, previewed the conference back then. We only yep. did the Liberty League back then for a lot of people that don't realize that fact. But Jimmy was our first guest, and uh, now he's a head coach. And he's going to also talk about some of the effects coronavirus is going to have on the FDU Florham uh, football team and some of the things he learned at Merchant Marine Academy under Coach Toop about how not having a spring practice scenario sort of can work because – that sort of happens yeah. at the military institutions. So he's got some experience with that. They go out to see. <laughs> exactly. Tuesday, March 24th, uh, David Tamaro and Mike Riddleman. Uh, Riddleman is uh, the director of the uh, Small School Showcase and College Gridiron Showcase. Those are uh, things you hear Nick uh, DiCarano talk about a little bit. We want to sort of, even though these were older interviews that we'd never got a chance to run, this is a time when nothing else is going on, guys, that if you're a junior uh, or going into your senior year of college, start thinking about the right all-star games to go to and whatnot, or uh, skills showcases like these. And we give you a little insight about these. We don't promote them because it's your decision. It's Everything's different for everybody. But we want to give you some information about this one, or these two technically in particular, because they are up and coming and we have been getting a lot of feedback about them. So we want to get you the information on them. And then Thursday, uh, March 26th, we're going to do a final recap, us, uh, after we get some more details about where things may stand in a couple weeks and uh, sort of look back at the interviews and pull out some thoughts uh, from each one uh, to kind of go over. So. Our philosophy here and in the huddle is you got nothing much to do for the next couple of weeks when it comes to sports. Um, so You're we want to. with us. All right. <laughs> yeah, fill, we're going to fill the void and get you ready a little bit, at least mentally, for the football season. That may still be five months away. We get it, uh, five and a half months away, really. Mm -hmm. But look, we're all in this together, folks. We understand it's a real adjustment to the way of life that you're used to. I, I keep saying to people, I don't care about testing unless you're working in healthcare, uh, hospital, nursing home, whatever. If you're feeling sick and you're otherwise a healthy individual, young individual, like many of the people watching our show, don't go to a hospital, don't go outside, stay home, get better, and let's hope that you, you beat the disease, have the antibodies, and you're done with it at that point in time. If you're older or you are at risk, Stay home now, isolate yourself. Nick DiCarano talks about that in his interview a little bit about himself isolating away from his family out of uh, caution. And it's something to think about. But make sure you stay away from folks that may transfer the disease to you. And if you are feeling symptoms, then go to the hospital if you're in that, those at-risk categories. It's pretty much, it sounds oversimplistic. The dog disagrees with me pretty much. I can hear in the background. But pretty much, yeah. But look, we, we need to make sure that we don't get more people sick than we need to, but at the same time understand this disease is very beatable uh, for people in the age group of college football players, among others out there. So be careful. JB, what are your thoughts as long as the dog's going to let you talk? Yeah, she's uh, she's spooked by something. But, um, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, basically this is a time where, you know, you have to take advantage of the um, – the positives, uh, which is you'll hear on some of these interviews, you know, opportunities to to uh, see your family, um, to be home, um, and take care of yourself. So, at the end of the day, you know, just uh, yeah, you got to stay on top of uh, your you know personal health. Make sure that you're um, you know looking out for uh, your friends and family, and uh, basically just we'll have to wait and see how this whole thing plays out. Um, 
like you said, maybe it'll end up being much to do about nothing. Uh, but from you know, what you sort of re see and hear about over in Europe, you, you can't uh, take this uh, lightly. So uh, just hopefully this will be, um, you know, this and some of these other episodes where you got teed up will be a, a welcome distraction for you D3 football fans in the, in the short term. Uh, I know I'm going to miss watching the tournament, uh, all that type of thing. Uh, and other sports, uh, I feel my heart goes out to a couple of uh, former guests of the show, like Andrew Franks and, and uh, Jake Payne, who were playing in the XFL and would have, you know, they were having good seasons, and that got um, you know pulled out from under them again. Um, but hey, it's just the, the way um, the way things are right now. We have to respect uh, you know, this is a serious situation, and just do our best to uh, take care of ourselves and, and the people we care about. And as always, we uh, kind of live for your feedback on social media, et cetera. So make sure uh, you let us know what you think of uh, what we're up to here. Uh, if you have any ideas or thoughts of anything else we could be doing, let us know. Uh, we are open to it. Like yeah. we keep saying, we're, we don't know how much we're going to have to actually do in the next two to three weeks. Things are going to change a lot. Day by day last week, it was changing remarkably every day. And it felt like a month, not a week, uh, if not more than that last week. Uh, we're through it. We're laughing. We're smiling a little bit more right now, which is good. And hopefully that continues. Yep. In the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and we'll see you throughout the next two weeks here on In the Huddle.